You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. Over this, these two months, we're looking at this question, who is God? And in our life groups, we've been looking at the moral attributes of God, His righteousness, uh, who He is, His, his uh, natural attributes. On Sunday services over these, these coming weeks, we're looking at the names of God. And uh, it's important to note that when we look at the names of God, it's not studying um, what God does, but it's actually who God is. When we look at the names of God, it isn't just saying, okay, God is like a shepherd or he does shepherding kind of things. No, he is the great shepherd. That is who he is. That's his nature. It's like saying, I'm, uh, if I were to say I'm uh, a carpenter um, and you saw what I did for carpentry, you, you would say, no, you're not a carpenter, but you you maybe do a little bit of DIY. <laughs> do it, being a DIYer and being a carpenter is quite different. How many could attest to that? To be a builder, a proper builder who knows what they're doing and being someone who just has a go at it is slightly different. When we're talking about God saying He is the shepherd or He is our healer, as we're going to look at today, we're not just saying this is just something He kind of, kind of does on occasion. No, this is His identity. A builder is a builder because that's what He does. A hairdresser is a hairdresser because that's what they do. They can cut hair really well. If I get scissors and cut hair, it does not look very well. doesn't. Um, I see when Annalise was little, she tried to do hair haircutting of her Barbies. Um, I don't know if any girls have tried that, but actually, you know what? It never looks good. The fringe of a Barbie never looks good with a home jobby. Um, it just doesn't work. Why? Because you're not a hairdresser. You haven't went to school. You haven't learned the te- technique. Just a side note, I remember when we were living in Holland, I went to, uh, there was someone in the church who was learning to be a hairdresser. And uh, she's, this is a dangerous thing. She said, I need people to come to the, 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 the place, to, um, to the college, so I can practice on them. Now, that's an awkward, uh, what do you say in response to that? So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come. And uh, I tell you what, it was like an hour and a half long haircut. It was the most tedious haircut sitting there. She was measuring my hair all the way around, um, but she didn't snip my ears. The person beside me, her ears, the ears were being cut with the hair. So that, thank you, Jesus, that this person <laughs> with me. And that has nothing to do with my message. It just came to mind. I thought you might enjoy that story. Last week, we looked at this name of God, Yahweh Rohi. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is a shepherd in all he does. And today we're looking at uh, the, the next name in our series of the names of God. And we're going to find it in Exodus 15, the first time we see this name of God being presented. And uh, the context of this is Israel has been taken out of Egypt. Uh, they've, they've crossed the Red Sea. They just had this victory dance. Miriam and everyone with the tambourines have, have, have rejoiced the fact that uh, that the Egyptians have been uh, thrown into the sea. God's killed them in this kind of one blow. They're free from slavery. They head three days into the wilderness, into the desert of Shur, and they don't find any water for three days with, you know, almost two million people. That's a big issue. They come to the place of Mara. That there comes like a, a pond or a small lake, and they go to taste the water, and they realize it's bitter water. It's it probably like an alkali slough, or there's a, there's, there's, it's not a, a drinkable water. And they start to grumble against God. They just had these major victories. All these things have happened. They grumble against God. And uh, 
they, they, they cry out to him. And uh, this is what we, we pick up in verse 25. It says, then, then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Now, can I just tell you, that's not a scientific thing. God did something supernatural, okay? That piece of wood did not have some kind of miracle healing uh, attributes to it. It was God. <laughs> Lest you think just throwing sticks in the water it makes it nice and pure. It doesn't work that way, does it? No. Okay, God did something supernatural. There the Lord made a decree and a law for them, and there he tested them. He said, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the disease, diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you, or I am the Lord your healer. In this situation, God heals the water. He, he brings a change to the situation, but then identifies himself as the Lord, our healer, Yahweh Rapha. I am, I am your healer. I'm, I'm the one. That's who I am. I'm the healer. Not just that God can heal as a function. And we see right from Genesis, actually, there's moments God heals. But here he says, actually, I am the healer. It's part of my identity. Do you know, can I just say, when God is present, healing happens. Can I tell you that? Why? Because he's the healer. When he is evident, when he is moving in our lives, healing comes. When he is in the center of any situation, there's healing and restoration because he's our healer. That's not just something he does. It's something, it's who he is. When he's in, when, when God is brought into the center of a relationship, things are restored. When God is brought into the center of, of a situation, there's a restoration. When, when God is brought into the center of our hearts, our minds, our emotions, there's, there's healing. Why? Because he's our healer. Jesus came, when Jesus came to the earth as the exact representation of the Father, what did he do? He healed. He said, actually, if you want to see the Father, just look at me. I am the spitten, I, I am the image of the Father. I am the, the tangible presence of, of what God looks like. If you want to see what God looks like, just look at me. And what was Jesus doing constantly? He was healing and setting free, people free. Why? Because that is who he was. He was the healer. Jesus could not come and represent the Father without healing. Otherwise, he would not have been representing the Father. Does this make sense? It's a foundational thought process. When we come to, to the Lord, actually, we're coming to the Lord who heals. He is our healer. Now, in this passage, we see in verse 26 a condition. It says, if you listen carefully to the voice of the Lord and obey his commands, right? Do what is right in his eyes. Pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees. Now, then I will not bring on you the diseases that are brought in the Egyptians. There was this condition that, that God had put on, on Israel of obeying everything he commanded, listening to his voice, obeying all his decrees. Did Israel do this? Have we ever done this? No. Now, here's the, here's the catch to this whole thing. God is our healer, and yet there's this requirement that seems unobtainable. I won't bring the diseases. I will bring healing. I will be all the stuff if you keep all the decrees. Well, the reality is, as we all know, over time, 
that Israel didn't keep his commandments. And in Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All, you and me, we have not kept his, kept his commandments. Christ, however, met all the requirements of the law. This is where the good news comes. In Romans 8, in Romans 8, verses 3 to 4, it says this, For what the law was powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully, I want you to say fully, fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. So here's the good news is that Jesus our healer made way for us so that his healing could be accessible to everyone. All the requirements, when we just read in Exodus, you have to obey all my law to have access to the healing. Actually, in Christ, Christ paid the price. He, he fulfilled all the requirements of the law. So in essence, he made it possible for every person from every tribe, every nation to access the Lord, our healer, through faith in Jesus. Everything had been accomplished. All the requirements had been paid. All the debt was paid off. So that in Christ, just putting our faith in Him, we had access to His healing. In, in Isaiah 53, 5, it says this. It says, uh, But He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that was brought us peace was on Him. And by His wounds, we are healed. Do you know, in one act of the cross... In that whole act of, of laying his life down for us, he didn't just bring us salvation, but he brought us healing. That was part of the new covenant. It's part of the atonement. It's actually all of our sins, all of our diseases, all that would be otherwise less than perfect in us. Christ paid for once and for all. So that our faith in him, we could receive everything. We'd have access to everything. That actually in the new covenant, healing is ours because Jesus is our healer. That's who he is. We can't have Jesus in our life without acknowledging the fact that, that he is a healer. He's the healer. He, that when we invite him into our, our situations, when we invite him into our lives, we can call upon him as our healer because he's paid a price to give us free access. You and I have this amazing access. Every condition was met in him. Jesus came to restore all things, including our health, our emotions, our minds. Now this morning, we're pulling out all the stops for you today. I'm, we are not. I believe God is. And I'm going to call Hugh to come to the front. Hugh. Some of you may know Hugh. Some of you may not know Hugh. But, but Hugh, God has done a, a lot in Hugh's life. And he's got a phenomenal testimony of, of healing and restoration. And, uh, you know, I, one of the things I felt in sharing today is I didn't want to share something that we just knew in our heads. But I, I pray that through the end of this day, that something would rise in our spirits, that we would look at Jesus as our healer, without a doubt. And so I'm going to hand it over to Hugh, and Hugh's going to unpackage the rest of this message this morning. Okay, so we're doing a little bit of a tag team this morning. Thank you, Tyler. Um, first of all, um, I'm going to share my testimony with you. Uh, but just before I do, I just want to say thank you for 
um, welcoming me and my son Alex to the church. We've only been here a few months and um, we feel really at home. And so thank you. It's nice. You know, it's, um, it's really good. So, And I believe it's where God wants us to be. And God's got a purpose for us being here. And um, one of the things that God spoke to me before I actually came here was that it would be mutually beneficial for our faith. And I took that to mean that you've got some things that you will teach me and I will learn from you. And I've certainly got some things that I can impart to you that will help you. So, um, so for our mutual benefit. But um, th- this is my testimony. So um, I'm going back now b- before my son Alex was born. So it's more than 22 years ago. Um, I wasn't a Christian, hadn't been brought up a Christian, didn't really know much about Christianity, wasn't interested in Christianity. Um, despite the Salvation Army's ladies' attempts on a Friday night in the Pelham Arms in Lewis on a regular basis, I wasn't interested. Um, but there I was, uh, running my own business, um, you know, in the fast lane, full of ambition, ploughing past everybody else, just thinking of myself. One day I was driving home from work in my car and I just couldn't get comfortable. And it was almost as if my shirt was was twisted up under my arm. Eventually I got home, I got indoors, and I felt under my arm and there was a huge lump that had just appeared under my arm from nowhere. And um, I'd always been, you know, fit and healthy. Um, you know, despite repeatedly trying to kill myself on a motorcycle, but that's another story. And, um, and, and obviously I was concerned all of a sudden, that, you know, what's all this? It was huge, this lump. It was probably bigger than a golf ball and literally it appeared in an hour, something like that. So I went, I went straight up to, uh, Victoria Hospital in Lewis and said, look at this, look at this. And so they looked at it and they said, well, you'll probably make it through the night go and see your doctor in the morning and, 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 you know, he'll tell you what you need to do. So then began a whole process of doctor's appointments, going to specialists, eventually going to the, the heart specialist unit in Brighton. And um, over a period of about six months of body scans and x-rays and tests and everything, um, they eventually said to me that my heart was so enlarged that it was pushing my rib cage over to one side. They said, there's no... There's, that now it's blown up that big, that's never going to go back to normal. That, that's that. We now have to just treat that and find a way to keep you going with this condition. Um, you know, you're probably going to have to have a heart transplant. That's the only way you, you, you're ever going to have a full life. And so all this is going on, and I've gone from, a, from being a very arrogant person that's really full of myself and living life to the full to somebody that just can't sleep at night and worried about all these things. At the, at, at the same time, you know, one of my childhood friends had got the same thing. And within six months, he'd gone from being six foot one, 14 stone, athletic, full of life, and within six months, he was six stone, and he was like a withered old man laying on a hospital bed and died, and they, they couldn't get. He got so weak and so ill so quickly they couldn't get a heart transplant to him. And I had the same thing. And, um, you know, now we probably know it was quite possibly was the same devil that got him that was after me. 
And all this is going on. So um, my, my wife at the time, I'm, I'm, I'm divorced, by the way. So um, I hope that doesn't offend you in any way. Um, I think Moses was separated from his wife when he was up top of the mountain, apart from murdering somebody and things. So hopefully this, this won't offend you. But um, <laughs> I mean, most of our Bible was written by murderers. So hopefully you can, you, can, you can cope with a divorce. And, but my wife had become a Christian during this time, and, and I wasn't very happy about this. I was like, well, this, you know, I, I didn't sign up for this. And um, all this going to church, I'm not going to church. I've got a business to run. You know, I need to work on a Sunday. I haven't got time for all that nonsense. So obviously she was praying for me, and, and, and she was also being very wise and not trying to ram it down my throat. But all, in the midst of all of this, she just said to me one day, it was on a Sunday afternoon, She'd been in church, I'd been at work, came back, had lunch. And she said, she just said to me, she said, if you come to church tonight, God will heal you. And I sat there and I said, I'll tell you what, if you reckon that I can be healed by coming to church tonight, I said, I'm coming. Because all those doctors and all those specialists, they just frighten the life out of me. I'll come. So anyway, I had time to think about it. And I thought, well, hang on a minute, kind of go to church, all these Christians... And all I could picture was open-toed sandals and white socks. And I thought, I thought, right, I am not going to be identified with these people. So out came the motorcycle boots, out came the black leather jacket, and the, and the hardest look that I could, I could muster. And off we went. I sat in church. They sang their songs. I'd never clue what they were singing about. They preached a message. I didn't have a clue what the message was about. Something happened to me as I sat in the church. I got incredibly hot. And I thought, I better take my jacket off. I think I'm, I'm going to, I feel, felt like I was going to pass out. I thought, I better take my jacket off. But I couldn't move. I just could not move. I thought, this is all a bit weird. After about 20 minutes, that passed. And I thought, I'll take my jacket off. And I thought, well, I'm not that hot anyway. I won't bother. So that was that. Nobody prayed for me. Nobody laid hands on me. Nothing happened. And I went home and really just lived the next few days. You know, I probably wondered a few times. I wondered if anything happened. You know, nothing felt any different. It still seemed the same. And um, on the Thursday, I was going to the uh, specialist unit, the heart specialist unit, for more tests. And I went in there. They wired me all up as usual, got my heart up on the screen. And this guy's looking at the screen. He's looking at the notes. He's looking at the screen, he's looking at the notes, he gets someone else, they're looking at the notes, they're looking at the screen. Eventually he turned around to me and said, are you an athlete? No, <laughs> I'm not an athlete. He said, your heart is beating at 42 beats to the minute. He said, it's maximum efficiency and normal size. I sat up, I jumped up off the side of the bed, I sat up. I said, I went to church on Sunday and God's healed me. And this guy said, yeah, 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 okay. What we need to do is we need to... I said, no, no, no. I said, for six months, I've had sleepless nights. I've been absolutely worried sick about this. I said, and God has healed me. I said, I'm never coming back. Get this off me. You won't be seeing me again. And out I went. And that was on the Thursday. And then on the Sunday, I went to church and they gave an altar call to, to give your life to Jesus. And I said, that's me. And if God can heal me, then... Um, then I'm going to follow Jesus. And so, so there began my journey. But the relevance of this testimony today is that 
Jesus healed me while I was a sinner. I didn't have great faith. I, I literally, I was told, somebody had the boldness, a new Christian, by the way, had the boldness to say, if you come to church tonight, God will heal you. And at that point, my wife probably put everything on the line. Because if I'd have gone to church and God hadn't healed me, I'd have been gone. That would have been the straw that broke the camel's back. And, um, but God did heal me. But I was a sinner. I hadn't, I didn't pray and ask God to heal me. I didn't search through the scriptures. I didn't go to church. I didn't help little old ladies across the road. I was a sinner and Jesus healed me. You know, and it's, and it's, and it's true, isn't it? It's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. But it's funny how sometimes we can get that the other way round. And we think that our repentance will lead us to the goodness of God. I want to tell you that's not the case. You know, when Jesus went about healing the sick, he never healed one good person. Every single person that Jesus healed was a sinner. Not one person deserved to be healed, but Jesus healed them. It's the goodness of God that leads to a changed life. It's not the other way around. It's not your good efforts. It's not your repentance. You know, healing itself, healing itself is not a reward. It's not a reward. Healing is a sign of the goodness of God. It's to point you to Jesus. That's how good he is, not the other way around. And I think, you know, we, we, we get that the wrong way around sometimes. And um, so anyway, so my Christian life was, it was an exciting start. I had this incredible miracle eventually joined an amazing church that was full of miracle signs and wonders, week in, week out. People saved, people healed, people set free by the power of God. And it was all very exciting. It was very faith, faith, faith. And it was a little bit of the old mixed with the new, if you understand that. A bit of the, getting the covenants mixed up, I think. Um, but the faith was incredible in that place. And so... Gradually, I got more involved in the church. I then did a Bible school. I did that for a year and started to get involved in the leadership of the church. It was all really exciting. And then my son, Alex, had now got to the age of about, I think, probably about four and a half. And there was something that was wrong with Alex's development. And he, he, he could talk, but it, it, he was just copying and he wasn't understanding conversation and he wasn't relating to people properly. And when he went to his nursery, he wouldn't interact with the other children. He would just sit in the corner on his own. And there was clearly was something wrong. So through the nursery and then eventually, you know, through um, hospitals and specialists um, that um, Alex was diagnosed as autistic. And eventually they said that he will never go to a normal school. Um, he probably needs to be taught sign language to be able to communicate properly. And he'll never relate to people. So we're obviously heartbroken with this news of our son who's just so special to us and so lovely. And, but we also know about miracles and about the goodness of God. And, and, and having experienced it in my own life, I'm thinking, well, I can pray and believe for my son. So, but it's interesting that after Bible school, after serving in the church, being a leader, being in church, seeing all these incredible things, that for 18 months I prayed and fasted and sought God for Alex to be healed and he wasn't healed. 
there was no change. It, it came time for him to go to, um, you know, normal school. He got to that age, five, five, five and a half years old. He was meant to start school. And they said, he can't, we can't, he can't go to school. He's, he's not ready. So they held him back in nursery, um, for, you know, for an extra year. And so, you know, we're praying, we're believing God, we're seeking God, you know, God, we know you can do this. And I'm fasting, I'm doing everything I know to get God's healing to my son. And you can imagine, can't you, what that's like. And then eventually we're in church one day and this man came to our church to preach and then he prayed for the sick afterwards. And Alex had been up to be prayed for loads of times. He would always run up the front and try and get someone to lay hands on him and it was something in Alex's spirit, even at five years of age, he knew that he needed God. And th- but this guy went down this line praying for people, and he got to Alex, and he just said, be blessed, and carried on. Nothing changed. The next morning, I get a phone call at work from my wife, absolutely going ballistic, and the nursery have phoned her at 11 o'clock in the morning and said, what's happened to Alex? She said, I don't know what's happened, you tell me. <laughs> they said... He understands everything we say. He's playing with all the children. We're having beautiful conversations with him. He's perfectly normal. And so then Alex was then able to go to normal school. And, you know, when God does something, he really does do something. And, uh, I mean, I don't want to blow his trumpet, to be honest. But, you know, but Alex went on. He got, he got a scholarship at the local private school, um, straight A's with a little bit of help, and, um, and then went to university, and he got a first in economics, and um, you know, now he's, he's pursuing his desire to go and work in the city, and God's done an incredible thing in him. But in all of this, the, the, you know, I think the point of this, what, what, what God wants to speak through these testimonies to you, is that you know, I understand, you know, I saw the incredible goodness of God whilst a sinner, and God gave me this incredible miracle. And as a result of me testifying of this miracle, so many people have been healed. But I also understand that when we don't understand things properly, it won't work. And, and my attempts at fasting and praying and getting God to heal Alex was so different to this man that turned up in our church and he had a revelation that by his stripes you were healed that the healing was already paid for, it was already established, that Alex was already healed. In his spirit, he was healed. And so all he had to do, I mean, he could have said anything, he just said, be blessed, and he was healed. And it's that different perspective. And so I think that, you know, in, in, in any church, there will be people, lots of people that need healing. There'll be lots of people that have been praying for a long time. But there's things that we pick up and things that we invent, and doctrines that aren't really scriptural. And so, is there time to go through? Is that okay? I have said to Tyler, if I go on too long, just stop me, and we'll start praying for people. And um, so, if I could just find my notes. Okay, so, I've heard, I've heard it said, you've heard it said, that... If there's any doubt and unbelief, then you won't receive from God. If you don't, if you're not 100% believing, if there's any doubt, that you won't receive from Jesus. Well, in, in, I'll just read this to you, it'll be easier. But 
in, in Mark, in chapter 9, verse 24, you'll be, you'll be familiar with the story where the father brings his son who's demon-possessed and he wants to get him healed. And, and in, on one of the few occasions, um, Jesus actually said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And he said, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And so here was the father of this boy. He brought him to Jesus, but he still had this unbelief. And yet Jesus cast the devil out of him in the midst of that unbelief, and that boy was set free and healed right at that moment in time. So, uh, you, you know, your doubt and unbelief can't stop you. If you look at... Um, I know this is slightly different maybe from what you've thought or what you've heard. Um, but this is important. When Jesus went back to Nazareth, it says here in Mark chapter 6, Now he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. So often that scenario is quoted that, oh, you know, Jesus could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. No, actually he could. In the midst of this region where he grew up, they knew Jesus according to the flesh. They knew him as the carpenter, as, as you know, as, as um, Joseph's son. And, and so they had such unbelief. They'd heard, everybody had heard about the miracle signs and wonders. Everyone had heard about these incredible things. And yet, Jesus, in the midst of all that unbelief, those that came to him, he lay hand on the sick and they, and they recovered. They were made well. So you could be, you could, you can have unbelief in you and it cannot stop the power of God. All it takes is for one person to believe. So you may be this morning, you might have sickness, you might have pain in your body, you might have been battling, you might have been praying, you might have been fasting. This could have been going on a week, a month. It could have been going on years. I want to tell you today that your unbelief cannot stop the power of God. It cannot stop the power of God. The power of God is greater than your unbelief. The power of God is greater than any sin in your life. You might be here um, and you might feel that because you've got sin in your life, God can't heal you. That's, that's not true. That's absolute rubbish. You could be, you know, I'm not recommending these things, okay? You could be in an adulterous relationship, okay? You know, stop it. But it will not stop the power of God from healing you and setting you free this morning, okay? Healing is not a reward. It's a sign of the goodness of God. I've heard it said that, you know, some, sometimes sickness and disease, God can use that to teach you something. And, and yes, you know that God can heal you, but he'll do it in his timing. But, you know, we can read about the woman that had the issue of blood for 12 years. Are you familiar? We're, most of us would be familiar with that. And so for 12 years, this woman had an issue of blood. And she went to the physicians and she spent all that she had. And she ended up far worse off than when she started. So this, there's this woman that... Really, you know, anything that's not of faith is sin. She hasn't gone to God. Under the old covenant, which I'll just point out, by the way, that when you're reading your New Testament, that's actually the old covenant up until the cross. The new covenant doesn't start until after the cross. So when you're reading your New Testament and you're, seeing, you're reading about Jesus and the disciples and the sick people and everything else, the only person 
that you, for you as a born-again believer, the only person that you can identify with is Jesus. You cannot identify with the disciples. They were not born again. You cannot identify with the sick people and the people need the miracle. They were not born again. The only person that you can identify with is Jesus himself. Because as Jesus is, so are we in this world. You are the same as Jesus today, born again in your spirit. Absolutely perfect. So, so a couple of points then about this woman. So she heard about Jesus. She heard that Jesus was coming to a, to a town nearby and that he'd been healing the sick. And she chose to go and find Jesus. She heard and then she chose to go and find him. It was her choice. It was her free will. Jesus didn't come to her. He didn't declare that it was her time to be healed. She chose. Just, just as the Apostle Paul said, you know, he said, I have this desire to go and be with Jesus and be in heaven because it's so incredible and so amazing. I can't wait to get there. But I also have this need to be here with you because there's much that I need to teach you and help you with. And so it's clear that Paul had a choice. He had a choice when he was going to lay his life down. It, it, his, it was totally his choice. He was in control, just the same as we are. We, we're in control of when we get healed, not God. God is not holding back our healing from us. He's not teaching us anything through that. Um, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says that Jesus came. Jesus manifested himself on this earth. He came on this earth to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He did not come to work with him. It says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, that Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were sick and all that were oppressed because God was with him. God is not a schizophrenic. God does not use the devil to put sickness on you to teach you anything. The only thing you're learning is, is the same as a woman with the issue of blood. If there's sickness in your body, if there's disease, if there's pain, if there's things that you're struggling with in your body, all that's teaching you is the world is a harsh place. The devil is a bad devil and sickness and disease and any pain that you're suffering is just a terrible thing to carry around. You're not learning anything about how good God is and God definitely doesn't use that. All right? Um, and then I think, without going on too much, the other thing that I've heard said quite a few times is that you need great faith, particularly if it's something that's really quite serious or what we call quite serious, that you need great faith and that you need to really study these scriptures and pray and fast and you need to get great faith in order to overcome these things. But yet really, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, and you speak to this mountain, be rooted up and cast in the sea, you will have what you say. And it's funny, isn't it? That you, you know, I listen to these things and I hear these things and it's almost like we turn that round the other way and then we all of a sudden, now we need great faith to move something the size of a mustard seed. It's almost like we get it back to front. But Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. It's not... If you have faith as a mountain, you can move this mustard seed. 
So we need to remember to get that the right way round. You know, if you've come here today and you came here this morning to come and worship God, as an absolute bare minimum, you have mustard seed faith. As an absolute bare minimum, you have faith. Don't let the devil tell you that you do not have faith. You have faith. We've all been given the measure of faith. You have the same faith on the inside of you that Jesus had. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. You have the spirit of faith. And even if that was only, I I believe it's not a mustard seed faith that God gives you, but even if it was, that's enough to overcome anything that can ever come against you in your life. You know, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is the power of the pressure of the Holy Spirit flowing out of me than the pressure of this world coming against me. You know, that's a good thing to say. Greater is he who is in me. Greater is the power of the Holy Spirit forcing itself out of me against the pressure of this world that comes against me. So, and then if we look just, if we look just at really, I don't think we need to turn there, but um, in Acts chapter 3, verse 16, well, verse 6 and then verse 16 are, are applicable. But here we see the first healings that take place by born-again believers. So this is the first time. And it's Peter and John, they're going up to the temple to pray. They're not coming back from praying. They haven't been in the prayer meeting and filled themselves up with the fullness of God and they're coming back. They're going up to pray. They haven't prayed yet. And they come across this man who's, who's been laid at the, at the gate, whose friends are put in there so he can get some money. He's not believing for healing. He's not sitting there thinking, well, if I sit here this morning, maybe they'll come, these amazing apostles, and, and they'll lay hands on me and I'll be healed. He wasn't thinking that. He was thinking I might get a few quid. They might feel sorry for me if I look pathetic enough. Yes, another, you know, people say, don't they, if, um, you know, God helps those who help themselves. That's nonsense. God helps those who can't help themselves. But anyway, so Peter and, and, and John are there and, and Peter looks at this man and he says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he gets hold of this man, lifts him up and immediately he is strengthened and he's made whole and he's made well. And it's all incredibly exciting. And as everybody throngs them and, and, and the crowd come, Peter says to them, don't look at us as anything special. It's by his name and by faith in this name that this man was made whole. And so this was the first healing that took place by born-again believers. And so what can we see from that is they didn't pray and ask God to heal that person. The prayer wasn't, Father, heal this person. Father, we, we come to you for healing. Father, we pray that you would heal this person. No, it wasn't. It was out of, it was out of their spirit that they spoke. It was out of this faith that we all have, this measure of faith and out of um, authority to use the name of Jesus. And they said, it's in his name, Jesus, and by faith in his name that's made this man whole. And they commanded him to be healed. And, and I think this morning that, um, what we want to do this morning is we, we want to pray for you. If there's any pain in your body, if you've got any sickness, any disease, if you're struggling with doubt and unbelief, 
If you've been praying for a long time and you haven't got your breakthrough, we want to pray for you this morning and we're going to command that you're healed in Jesus' name. All right? It's good. Wow. Does God want to move today? Okay, only a couple of people believe this. Can I just tell you what's in Scripture is the same today. God hasn't changed. He's still our healer. He's still our healer. Why don't you stand with me, please? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.